It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome everyone listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. You have tuned in to National Seizure Disorders Foundation's weekly recorded podcast, Seize the Day. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we invite you to join us right here on TalkShoe as we bring order to seizure disorders by discussing a variety of topics related to living with seizures. Now, this is not an hour of fear or blame or drama. This is an hour of awareness, of support, and of rising above our diagnosis. When you're ready for support and enlightenment while living with seizures or while caring for someone living with seizures, Seize the Day is just one of the many resources offered by National Seizure Disorders Foundation to guide you in the direction of positive seizure management, and a life filled with peace and joy. Yes, I said peace and joy. It is possible while you live with seizures to have peace and joy. National Seizure Disorders Foundation shows you just how you can do that. You can discover more about NSDF and the resources we have to offer you at our website, nsdf.us. If you're writing that down, that is Nancy Sam David Frank dot United States. I hope that makes it easy for you. So you're invited to call in right now and contribute to the conversation, and you're invited to call in every Wednesday evening. Just dial in 724-444-7444. And go ahead and use the show ID one. Three five three five nine. When you find value in our show, please choose to follow our show number one three five three five nine. Again, that show title is Seize the Day. In keeping with recently established tradition, our topic tonight on Seize the Day is a continuation of our Monday night. Power Hour, hosted by National Seizure Disorders Foundation over on Google+. When you're interested in discovering more about Power Hour, please drop us a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash NSDF37029 or over on our Google Plus page, which is uh, the plus National Seizure Disorders Foundation. I believe that will get you over to the Google Plus page. So when you uh, want to reach out to us, I want you to know something. NSDF reaches back. This has been proven time and time again, both online and offline, especially here recently. We've had quite a few members going through some very difficult times 
And, you know, when you're going through a difficult time, no matter what that, no matter what it is in the moment, you really need to hear a friendly voice. You need to read a friendly word. You need that encouragement. You need that power. I want you to know that's what we have here at National Seizure Disorders Foundation. We have that power that reaches into you and that lifts you up out of whatever it is you're going through. So now on with tonight's topic. And tonight's topic is very special to me. Tonight we are celebrating my life. It's going to be a no-holds-barred question-and-answer session. Uh, no question is taboo. And I will answer everything to the best of my ability. Why are we holding a question-and-answer celebrating my life tonight? Well, it's because Friday night is my birthday. It's my 48th birthday. You know, I never thought that I would make it this far. But it's been... It's been a wonderful been a wonderful journey and I want to share it with you all tonight. So on with the show. Jason, do you have any questions? Yes. Um one one of the big questions, um I'm sure at least one other person has this question that if you I've asked you this question on the Power Hour, but for the benefit of our, our listeners today, tomorrow, and into the future, um, what was the defining moment that led you to start the National Seizure Disorders Foundation? I remember that question from Monday night during the Power Hour, and I remember I gave a lengthy answer. However, I know that we are limited on time tonight, and we have other people wanting to ask questions. So I'll uh, really fine-tune that answer. The defining moment was when I realized that I had a rare genetic brain abnormality that caused unpredictable, incurable seizures, and there was no one to support me. There was no one to help me live higher quality of daily life. And the only foundation that I was aware of that had anything to do with seizures, uh, they seemed to want me to be active in raising money for a cure. And, you know, I'm all about cures. I'm, I'm fine with that. However, I knew for me personally there would never be a cure. And uh, there had yet to be a cure for epilepsy for anyone else. So that was something that I really wasn't into. And the more they pressured me to raise money, the more I knew that, that, that there was something else that needed to be done. And I developed a deep passion to begin to help others. I knew there had to be others out there like me. And so I went to this foundation, uh, which is the Epilepsy Foundation of America. I went to them, the corporate offices, and I told them of my deepest desire to help others, to help others um, increase their daily quality of life. And now the Epilepsy Foundation of America, at that time, they told me, don't bother. We have it covered. 
don't bother, don't follow your dream. There's no need to uh, take action. We have it all in under control. And that stoked my passion even more. And from there, my daughter Jessica and I got together. And we, um, excuse me, we discovered exactly what it is that was missing from the support that the Epilepsy Foundation of America gave and what it is that people like us needed in our daily lives. And from there, uh, we gave birth to the National Seizure Disorders Foundation. There's, there's a little bit more to the story, and perhaps I'll share more of it during the hour. But uh, for now, I hope that does give you some, um, some solution to your question so that we can move on to more. Yes, it does. So do you have another question? What's your favorite color? What's my favorite color? <laughs> yes, I remember this question also. And I will answer it in, in a similar manner. Um, I view colors, or I think of colors, um, differently than, than the average person. I don't have a specific favorite color. It depends on my mood. Um, different colors spark different emotion in me. The color that I appreciate the most, the color that lifts me up the most, the color that brings me to a level of joy and peace that I need to be in every day in order to enjoy positive seizure management during my journey would be that um, that bright, flawless blue that you see in a cloudless sky on a spring day. So imagine that color, and I guess you could say that that is my favorite color. Do we have any other questions? Before you start the foundation, what was your favorite activity to do? Uh, before I started the foundation, <laughs> my favorite activity, <laughs> uh, this is I, I kind of giggle because it's really not an activity and it's not really healthy to call it favorite. But what occupied most of my time, that's why I refer to it as a favorite activity, was being uh, codependent believe it or not, uh, didn't matter what was going on in other people's lives. I always wanted to fix them. And I disguised it. Uh, I rationalized it in my own life, telling myself that I was helping others. And really all I was doing was helping them continue the crap in their lives. And I was helping them step all over me and use me while they were doing that. You know, it's not a very positive thing, but it's it's truthful. That was the activity that took up most of my life before the foundation came along. So it's kind of like um, black and white, you know, the opposite side of the coin from where I am now. Okay. 
his friend from Virginia joining us. Yes, good evening. Um, this is Lowell from Virginia Beach. How y'all doing? Hey, Lowell. You got any questions for me today? Well, first of all, I want to say happy birthday. Thank to you. Your, very your, your coming birthday. That's great. You know, I've, I've been listening to your uh, talk, and um, Tanya, you're right on track with the um, with the support. And I understand why you um, you've taken this uh, this leap into supporting others and about epilepsy. But let me ask you this. What do you see that could be our, maybe be our home run to get the attention of society? Our, our big hit, our big base hit, if I can use that term, to get the uh, attention of society because it's a, I feel like society really heard our stories. There would be a change. Yeah, you know, and I think to get the attention of society as a whole, hearing our stories is uh, one of the most effective ways. Uh, However, you have to think at the same time that because there's been such a heavy stigma over epilepsy and other seizure disorders all of these years, uh, most of society thinks it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. I don't even want to hear it because it'll never happen to me. I don't want to see it because it'll never happen to me. So it's really uh, the only way that people really become impacted is when it does happen to them, when it is in their life. And what we can do as a community, as a village, as a whole, those those that are caregivers and those that are seizure survivors and those that are compassionate partners, we can continue to tell our story and just soak social media, soak the the nation, soak the globe with yeah. our stories. Make it to where they actually feel like it is happening to them, like it is in their life, because they become friends of ours. They become part of our village. And and in turn, you know, when um, when we develop relationships with the unaffected people of the globe, uh, they start to realize, hey, there is someone I know that has epilepsy. This is happening in my life. And therefore, they become more compassionate. And that's really, I believe that's really how we're going to impact people. You can't force a person. You can't force a person to donate. You can't force a person to be interested. You can't force a person to be compassionate. But you can continue to tell your story. Yeah, no, I have to um, I have to um, cut in here and just say one thing. Um, I totally agree with you. The biggest um, change I've seen so far is when we held a, a epilepsy seminar, and we had no idea, but uh, um, um, a few police officers came to the seminar, mm-hmm. and they actually heard people speak about being arrested, about getting. Um, you know, low self-esteem from the from society because of what of how the way they were treated. Even the, uh, the police officers themselves had said that they had wrongfully arrested people for epilepsy before, but they had not known how to get around it. They had had not been trained. Now, for just for this, um, for everybody's information, we now have two police officers here in the state of Virginia working on 
lesson plans uh, about epilepsy training for law enforcement. Good, good, good. I know we have several members in the National Seizure Disorders Foundation around the country that are wanting to do the same thing in their uh, local community. And what I would like to do is, is get all of you together working, moving in the same direction to educate the, the EMTs and to educate the law enforcement in your own separate communities. Once we start moving together in one direction, we will get miracles happening. Yes, that's so true. We, we will be noticed. Mm-hmm. We will, they, they will have to take notice because um, a number of the police, police officers told me that they they were in jeopardy themselves because they uh-huh. were not educated. Uh-huh. And they did not want to um, wrongfully, you know, arrest anyone, which would put, put their jobs in jeopardy. So it works with both. It works well on both sides. Yes. So, so again, if we continue to tell our stories, I just know that it's going to be heard uh, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And Tanya, I take my hat off to you for starting the organization, National Seizures Disorders Foundation, and it's going to be it's it's being known. It's uh, just just don't stop what you're doing. It's it's going to come to pass. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It just grows and grows and grows. Thank you so much for your questions, Lowell. Do we have anyone else? Do I have anyone else waiting? I've got a question, if you don't mind. Okay. Is this Misty? Yep. Okay. Misty, go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> okay. It's a question all the way from Texas. Um. Of course, happy birthday, uh-huh. um, early birthday, and I'm wondering how, after everything happened with your daughter, after she passed away and everything, how is it that you're still able to carry on the foundation and deal with people or help other, I shouldn't say deal, but help other families who deal with SUDEP after dealing with your own your own experience with student. How are you able to still carry on? How does that not throw you back into a tailspin? I understand and appreciate that question. It is a very, very good question, and people need to know this. Um, it is not something that I push myself to do. It's not something, of course, that I fake to do, things like that. But I'm going to answer your question with a question of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, If you were to suddenly lose all function in your left hand, how would you be able to go ahead and use your right hand? And the the answer to that, I'll answer my own question, the answer to that is, well, my right hand is part part of me. And And that is how I'm able to move on, to move forward, and and uh, create more awareness about SUDEP and create more awareness about seizures and and uh, build the foundation in spite of my daughter suddenly being taken from us uh, just two short years ago through SUDEP. It's because what I do is a part of me. The National Seizure Disorders Foundation is a part of me. It's a part of my legacy. 
and I know that even after I leave this world, I know that the National Seizure Disorders Foundation will continue on. Not because it's a big and powerful foundation, but because it's a part of me. And it's a part of me that I will leave uh, to this world. Okay. So, so you know, it's, it's important that people know that um, I don't continue forward because it's my job or I don't continue forward to help others. I just continue forward because it's natural to me. Okay. Let me ask you, it does. Let me ask you another question if we have time. Go ahead. Do you find it hard not forming relationships? Do you find it hard not to form relationships or find it hard to form relationships with other epileptics um, knowing that there is that chance of suit-up? That's interesting. That question came into my own mind, I, and I never told anybody about this. Uh, that question came into my own mind shortly after Jessica passed away. You know, how am I going to deal with new people coming into my life, new people coming to the foundation? And while, while I know the reality of SUDA, and I know it can happen mm-hmm. at any time to any one of us, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, this is how I deal with it. I deal with it one moment at a time. SUDEP does matter. Yeah. However, however, when you build a relationship with someone, SUDEP, death, really doesn't matter. All that does matter is those few precious moments that you have together. I agree. Does that answer your question? It does. It does very much. Good, good, good. So, Jason, do you have any other questions? I have a question. This is Carrie. Oh, hey, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and ask your question. Hello, Jason, and hi, Missy. I wanted to know um, if what was growing up like when you have an intractable seizure disorder? What was it like for you and your family? Okay, that's a very good question. However, um, my case is unique in the fact that although I was born with a rare Uh, brain abnormality. I was born with the disease that created the seizure disorder. However, I did not start having seizures, actively having seizures, until I was 18. So I never had the opportunity, whether, whether it be good or bad, I never had the opportunity to grow up with seizures and, and to experience how my family would, um, would react to that while I was growing up. I am confident, though, um, because of my past history, I am confident to say that had I experienced seizures uh, while I was a child, I would not have been treated any differently than I was um, actually growing up as a child without seizures. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, and also I want to know 
more about your rare seizure disorder, which is, I believe, periventricular nodular heterotrophia. Okay. I will DNA. give everyone I will give everyone the long technical version of uh the rare disorder. I say it's rare um not because there are so few people that have it, but it's rare because there's so little research going into it. And uh let me see if I can even recall the full name. It is periventricular nodular heterotropia. Heterotropia. It is, it, well, that that's a little bit of the name. That's a little bit of the name. Yeah, I know. It is, <laughs> is X-linked familial bilateral periventricular nodular heterotopia. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, bilateral obviously meaning it's on both yes, sides yes. of your cerebrum. Yes. And, and, you know, because it has such a long technical name, what I do is I go into the description of the name, of, of what the condition really is, and, uh, and I just make, I just have fun with it. It's my rocks that roll. Right. Because what happens, what happens in my specific seizure disorder is the cells of my brain, they stick together, they clump together and form little uh, nodules, which are kind of like non-cancerous tumors. They're even called tubers. And, and these nodules, they grow to a certain size, and then they begin to migrate. They begin to roll around. Yeah. And they can go um, all throughout my brain. They can even attach to the outside of my brain. And whenever, whenever one breaks free and rolls around, that's when I occur. I I have seizures. I experience seizures. Are there other brain like developmental abnormalities, such as an agenesis of the corpus callosum or hydrocephalus, uh, occurring or hydroplasia? Uh, occur uh, occurring in me. Occurring in me. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. No. There's not that. That is the, um, I call it the miracle. The miracle of my specific condition is that it does not have any of those others that have attacked, that, that very well could have, that very well could have, mm -hmm. because my brain, it is, a, it is a brain abnormality. You know, it's not just simple, um, not downplaying this, but, but it is, it's, it's more than just simple epilepsy. Or, you know, a brain tumor that can be uh, surgically removed. It, you know, it's it's more complex than that. So my doctors are really amazed that I don't have much more uh, going on in more my malformation. You know, or or not going on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, last time I was tested to uh, to kind of check in on the on the rocks that are rolling. Uh, was about eight years ago. No, I'm sorry. It was about 15 years ago. And they counted uh, 16 nodules, 16 tumors in my brain at mm -hmm. that time. And they are inoperable because of where they're at and their size. And the seizures that are produced, I have uh, 
I have recorded eight different types of seizures, and those seizures are unpredictable and incurable and uncontrollable. And I'm okay with that. You know, it's it, not the end of the world for me. Right. Um, or they consider it like a neuroblast or dividing cell that develops into a neuron and then often migrates. Um, like even you know, that's, that's a good that's a good question. That's a good question. How it's mm-hmm. been explained to me is just a cell, a cell that makes up the matter in your brain. A cell breaks away and it attracts other cells to it, and that's and that's when they clump together to form the uh, the tuber or or the uh, small tumor. Now it can also from what. I've done research. They can can also go into the ventricles of uh-huh. the brain, which are, I guess, I would call them aqueducts or channels. Yes. <laughs> and also migrate to like your brain stem and the spinal cord. Or is that also something that is part of your rare seizure disorder? Yes, that is a possibility. Um, I've been very, very blessed that um, that there hasn't been any uh, physical evidence of that. Uh, my doctor has made me aware that there, um, let's see, this was five, yeah, five years ago. My doctors made me aware that there were at that time three of the tubers that uh, had made their way down into my spinal cord, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, and he said that the size that they are right now, I may have some physical effects, or I may not. We're just kind of keeping our keeping our eye on everything. And could that be? Could that cause other? Oh yes, yes. If it uh, if if the tubers grow large yeah. enough. If the tubers grow large enough, I could wake up one morning and be completely paralyzed without any reason. Okay. You know, um, so that just that just prompts me to take uh, life moment by moment and enjoy every precious moment even more. Right. Even and your doctors can't, there's not medication for no. you yet. Or no, there's, there's, not, there's not medication for me. And I have been in the in the past. I have been on uh, 35 different medications, different anti seizure medications. And on top of that, I have had um, a VNS implant. Wow. Now, my seizures for those of for those of you listening today, tomorrow, and into the future, and you don't know yet, my seizures have gone from over 500 a month to uh, right down around 12 a month now because of the different therapies that I use in my life and the different uh, medical therapies. Is there a treatment such as like a a radiation treatment or laser, anything that they have come up with? Not not for my specific case because, um, you know, I don't know, like if they were to catch it in the beginning, I don't know if there's any type of treatment like Uh, that. But I know for my specific case, it's too far along. Yeah. You know, it's too far along. Um, if they were to treat it by 
anything, you know, like you said, by the laser or radiation, they would be treating too much of my brain and the risk would be too heavy. I would assume. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So when you did start having your seizures and then you were, you know, growing up, did your doctors ever discourage you from having children, as I know that you do have three children? My doctors never discouraged me from having children, uh, first of all, because uh, my, my first seizure occurred when my first child was about six weeks old. And, oh. with, and with the other two children, um, I was already on anti-epileptic medications, However, um, it, it was medications like Dilantin and, and phenobarbital, things of that nature. And the doctors were still sticking to the incorrect diagnosis that it was just stress and constipation. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And so, you know, having that type of diagnosis, they had no real need to tell me to not have children. Thank you. Did you say mm-hmm. stress and constipation? Excuse me? Did you just say stress and constipation? Yes, yes. For 10 years, uh, doctors and neurologists across the country, in fact, I saw a total of about six neurologists across the country as far away for, as California, they all told me the same thing. It was stress and constipation. That's why I was having 500 seizures a month. You know, and they all did the same thing. They all gave me Valium, and they all gave me laxatives, and they all gave me uh, fiber supplements. And that just shows you, you know, way back 30 years ago, that just shows you how little was known about uh, epilepsy and about how little was known about seizures. Well, we're constantly always educating them, the neurologists. Uh I mean, we're actually their teachers. Yes. Yeah. That's very true. And that's what we need to do, keep our data about all of our auras, seizures, medication, miss. sometimes I miss medication, sometimes I'm not sleeping, as you <laughs> probably know, Jason. And, yeah, they do need all that data. Is it hard for the doctors to get data from you, other than maybe like an MRI, right. to see how if there's more nodular or tube, whatever they're called, <laughs> tubers <laughs> growing. Can they? Uh, what we do, what we do because because we understand the condition and and we know that there's nothing that medically can be done. What we do to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, I just go under uh, certain things like MRIs and PET scans, uh, things of that nature, about every 10 years. You know, that's what they've got me scheduled for. Okay. Thank you very much. Definitely. 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 Do we have any other questions waiting? Yes. When you had your recent BNS search, um, how did you deal with the vocal cord paralysis that you had? Well, 
um, at first there was a little bit of um, fear, just as there would naturally be in anyone's life that suddenly lost a major function, you know, a major daily function. And, um, and then I realized what's important to me in life. Is talking important to me in life? And then why is that important? Well, a major part of what I do at the foundation is communicating with people one-on-one. And most of the time, especially uh, when I first had my surgery, most of the time that was one-on-one conversation over the phone or through a Google Plus Hangout. And so my why, you know, why I do that became more important than the fact that I had lost my voice. I decided to find other ways to communicate just as effectively. And I began doing that. And in the, at the same time, I, um, I developed therapies of my own that my doctor approved of. I developed therapies of my own to keep those vocal cords active and to keep them uh, lubricated. You know, I started adding oils and other hydrating products to to my daily regimen. And I exercised the vocal cords. Even though I couldn't talk, I was still doing my best to talk. Does that answer your question? Yes. Good, good. Do we have anyone else standing by to ask questions? Sonia, you have another question for you if nobody's um, had one at the time. Uh, did you say, was there anybody around uh, when you were growing up that had anything, any, they had seizure activity in their lives, that any anybody, a youth or adult at all? No, no. In fact, yeah. um, I had never seen a seizure. I'd never even heard about them. Um, and the closest that I ever got to any type of exposure of any type of seizure was what Hollywood put out there at the time. And, of course, that wasn't pretty. That wasn't pretty. Um, at that time, Hollywood told us all, just just by the images they put out there, Hollywood told us all to run the other way whenever someone's having a seizure or don't talk about it. Don't talk about it because you might trigger another seizure, things like that. You know, so um, my first seizure that occurred, it was interesting because I didn't even know it was a seizure because I'd never never been exposed to anything like that. Uh, My family, those that witnessed it, they didn't know it was a seizure. They thought that I just uh, woke up from a bad dream with a change in personality because I literally... Um, woke out of a nap. I was startled awake, and that triggered the seizure. And uh, from what I was told, of course, I don't remember this, but from what I was told, I instantly went into a personality of a very, very angry person. You know, a lot of that agitation started coming out. (laughs) And, And that agitation was there Um, you know, screaming and hollering and fighting the people that were around me, not recognizing anybody's face. That was there for, I guess, about 30 seconds, up to five minutes. And then 
um, I started to go into the classic tonic-clonic seizure behavior, the classic grandma seizure behavior. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. And I guess one last one. Do you love me? <laughs> what what was that question again? I love hearing that question. Just because I wanted to hear your funny laugh. That's all. And yes. I know you love me. Yes. I do love you. I do love all my people. I call you all my people because I know. Because you are all my family. Not that I own you all. No. But you are all my family. And you are our fearless leader. Yes. That's what I call you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I do make it a practice. I believe this is part of my uh, journey to positive seizure management. I do make it a practice to live my life purpose every day. And my life purpose is to be an excellent example of unconditional love. And it's just who I am. It's nothing that I force. It's just who I am. I never knew my life purpose until uh, probably, I think it was about a little less than two years ago. But when I realized my life purpose, everything began to make sense. And that's when we saw a lot of growth happening also at the foundation. So for those of you that have yet to realize your life purpose, because your life does have purpose no matter what your circumstance is, I encourage you to get alone with yourself, discover your own life purpose, and begin to live it, because that's when the miracles happen. I think I might have another question Go right for ahead. you. Um, has NSDS helped you just like it's helped all the rest of us, you know, members get, you know, your clarity, you know, get on board when you're feeling, you know, not so great. Does it help you like it helps all of us? Yes, it has helped me because it's helped me live my purpose in life and it's helped me stay focused on what's really important. And that's part of the journey, um, the journey of positive seizure management is staying focused, staying in the moment, and focusing on only the important stuff in life. You know, it's not, it, this might sound so, um, so interesting to many listening, but it's not important to me that I have a brain abnormality. It's not important to me that I have a seizure disorder. It's important to me that I live out my life purpose. And that's all that's important. And my life purpose includes loving myself. And me. Yeah, and you. <laughs> and you and everyone else listening. Yes, and, I know. and even those not listening, those that have uh-huh. yet to listen. It is a great life purpose, and I think that most of us do try and emulate that as well because because it's very very obvious on you know for the other members when you do you know respond to those that are in dire need of help Mm -hmm. you do help them 
mm-hmm. and it it is admirable, and I think that others do, like I said, try and emulate that. I hope they do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I see we're at the uh, see quarter till. Do we have anyone else uh, waiting in the wings to ask a question? And I want to go ahead and stress again that no question is taboo. No question is stupid. And these don't have to be limited to seizures, seizure disorders, or the foundation. You can ask any question. So do we have any callers waiting to ask questions? I wanted to throw something out there really fast, Tanya, if I could. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to tell you thank you. Not only for what it is that you do for so many, but the my last time, my last on the second of December when I was rushed into the hospital by ambulance, it was just me and my son and my my dog. My son called you. He's ten years old. He's disabled, but you were at the end of the phone. You were at that other end of the line. You were able to talk to him. There was nobody at the hospital with us yet. You were at that other end of the line. You didn't have to be, but you were. Yes. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being there, for being here. I want to thank you for doing what it is that you do. He told me, the nurses told me that I kept saying, call Tanya. They didn't know who I was talking about, but my son did, and he called you. And I want to thank you so much. You're so very welcome. You know, that that is what love does. Love is always there. Love is always there. And, And that is just the love that I have for you. It's the love that I have for all of you listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. And, um, you know, and it's, it's my pledge to all National Seizure Disorders Foundation members is to be there for you in those dire times of need and to be there for you at other times whenever is possible. I'm still finding the rest of that day. <laughs> but yes. he said, you told me to call Tanya, Mom. And that's who I knew you wanted me to call. You wanted me to call. He says, you wanted me to call your boss lady. Because <laughs> he, he always hears me call you our fearless leader. <laughs> so he knew that that's who I meant to call. So he called you. And I wanted to thank you. You kept my son safe. Yes. Misty, we were all so worried about you. And I was calling Tanya all the time to get updates, and I'm glad to hear your voice. I'm going to put an update out there on the the page, but I don't want to make this about me because this ain't about me. This is about our wonderful, fearless leader, Tanya. That's why I wanted to tell her thank you because she was there. (laughs) I know, and she was our, basically our intermediary. Oh, yes. So I could get updates. Like in the hospital. She told me not to call you, so I couldn't. Yep, yep. So you are all very, very welcome. 
I do appreciate each and every one of you. I do appreciate the compliments. And I appreciate everyone calling in and listening in tonight uh, to help me celebrate my life. You know, um, it's been an interesting life, one that um, as I was growing up, I really didn't believe that uh, it would lead this far. You know, um, Friday, for those of you keeping track, Friday, I will be 48 years old. Now, this blows my mind. And why does it blow my mind? Because I don't feel 48 years old. And for the you made it that long. (laughs) And for the last 10 years, believe it or not, the last 10 years, every year, I thought I was 36. I don't know. I don't know why 36. 36 was just the first number that popped into my head. And I'd have to, whenever it came to a point of really telling my true age, I'd have to do the math. But, you know, because we all gathered to celebrate my birthday, I'm going to make this the best birthday ever, the most memorable birthday ever. From from here on out, I wouldn't be surprised if, from 50 years from now, I still consider myself 48 years old. <laughs> because I spent it tonight with family. I spent my birthday with family, with uh, Susan Sherman, with Jason Grow, with Carrie. Happy birthday, Tanya. You're welcome. Thanks I think it's time much. to break out in happy birthday song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and I spent it with other family members that uh, I appreciate so much, Lowell Evans and uh, Misty Barton and Michelle Weber. And I know, I know Denise Tarr. I know if you're not listening in tonight, I know you will be listening in in the future. I want you to know that I'm celebrating my birthday with you also, as well as my right-hand man my best friend, David H. Paul. I want to tell you, each and every one of you, that I appreciate every one of you. And I invite you to to join me in future shows so that together we can seize the day. But as for tonight, we've done a wonderful job of seizing the birthday. So does anyone have any closing comments? Jason, did you have any other questions? Um, for, first thing I wanted wanted to do is I, I wanted to thank you for for uh, being there when I was going through a, a lot of turmoil in my life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... I called you all upset and stuff like that. By the time you were done with me, it's like complete 180. Yes. And, I mean, you just have that special aura about you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for recognizing that, and thank you for celebrating that with us tonight. And so now I see that we are at uh, about five minutes till. I want to 
let you all know, those listening today, tomorrow, and into the future, that uh, my deepest gratitude goes out to our loyal listeners, our producer, spectacular Susan Sherman, our many supporters and partners. Those supporters include Chuck Bartok and David H. Paul and the advocate of Dixon. If you enjoyed tonight's show and you wish to be uh, a part of keeping us active, please connect with National Seizure Disorders Foundation and let us know that you're ready to give as a community angel or let us know that you have an idea for another show. One of our staff, maybe me, will be with you to discuss the pleasant details and offer you a memorable experience creating a win-win situation for everyone involved. In preparation of the weeks to come, mark your calendars to join us every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on TalkShoe. I want you to know that our uh, program manager, Jason Grow, he does a spectacular job of putting the events out there so that uh, you can be invited, you can join the show, you can keep up with the updates, you can ask questions on the event pages, and you can also invite your friends and family. So please do. Look us up on Facebook. Look us up on Google+. And um, go ahead and include yourself in the event and invite your friends and family along the way. I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. From the beautiful state, the frigid state, believe it or not, right now it is 10 below zero. It's 18 and below I, here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, I have one thing to share with you all right quick. Um, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, tomorrow on the, um, on the Dr. Oz show, there'll be a lady on there named Stacy. if I'm pronouncing right, Shemeli. I met Stacy over the Internet. Uh, she has suffered epilepsy, and she's really pushing for what we're doing to reach out, reach out to others. So if y'all can watch the Dr. Oz show tomorrow, January January eighth, I'm not sure what time it comes on in your area or which station, but check your uh, listings for uh, for that show. Stacy's a really uh, dedicated person to helping others. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And what we will do is um, I'll find a link to that show, you know, to the okay. announcement of that show. I'll find that, and when I do find it, I will pass it around social media to get even more attention, okay? That will make it work, definitely. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you all for being here with us tonight, and like I said, join us every Wednesday night here on TalkShoe, and together we will seize the day. And thank you, Tanya, for being born. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all have a good night. Happy birthday, Tanya. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Here's wishing you all better health, peace of mind, and the presence of abundant love. Why? Because I can think of no better gift to give on my birthday or any other day to each and every one of you. Until next week, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.